0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. Hi, everybody. Welcome to week four of Rooted Summer 2021. We're still in John. We're trying to read John four times this summer, and we are back in John chapters one through Now, last time we went through John, I used the New International Version, and this time through John, I am reading and actually mostly listening in the Message Version, and so I'm going to be preaching today out of the Message Version, and we're going to be in John 3, verses 22 through So if you can turn in your Bibles, um, you can read in the message version, you can read in whatever version you'd like. Um, And we're going to start here looking at John the Baptist as he is baptizing with his disciples and Jesus is baptizing as well. It says, after this conversation, Jesus went on with his disciples into the Judean countryside and relaxed with them there. He was also baptizing. At the same time, John, the Baptist, was baptizing over at Anon near Salim, where water was abundant. This was before John was thrown into jail. John's disciples got into an argument with the establishment Jews over the nature of baptism. They came to John and said, Rabbi, you know the one who was with you on the other side of the Jordan? They're talking about Jesus the one that you authorized with your witness, well, he's now competing with us. He's baptizing too, and everyone's going to him instead of us. Okay, so this is setting the scene for us. So John has seen Jesus, and he has said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He has said publicly that Jesus has been baptized with the Holy Spirit and that God is well pleased with him, that this is God's son. So John has attested to the fact that Jesus is Messiah. And after this happens, now they're both baptizing, okay? This baptism into repentance that John had started and Jesus was doing now, okay? And so this is what's happened. So John's disciples are now upset because they're saying, do you know that guy that you lent your name to? that you said, he is the son of God. Here's the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. You know, you kind of did him a solid, this guy, talking about Jesus. He's now baptizing and everyone's going out to him instead of coming to us. Okay. And so this kind of, there's this sense of, for for John's disciples, this competition with Jesus and with the disciples of Jesus who's having more people baptized, who's not, who are people listening to, you know, and they're seeing the ministry, the kind of popular ministry that they were a part of losing its popularity and losing its kind of center stageness. And that that is kind of being stolen by Jesus and his disciples. This is the way that John's disciples are seeing it. I think I mean obviously there's a sense of competition here. Um even though we're talking about things of God and of course we should all be like yay people are being baptized, right? But they take it personally. They're not coming to us to be baptized. They're coming to this guy, right? And it's frustrating, okay? And I think it also belies this lack of focus on what they are meant to do. Because I know that when Our focus is on what God is asking us to do, and that is the measure of success for us. We talked about this last week. Success is radically doing God's will. If we're focused on radically doing God's will, then we celebrate when other people are successful, right? Because we have peace that we are doing what God has asked us to do. And so I would say that John's disciples have a lack of focus on what they're meant to do. So maybe the The excitement and the prestige of kind of being popular or being the people that Judea is coming to has usurped just the joy of obeying or the joy of being a part of what God's doing. So they're now seeing it from this lens. There's a lack of focus. They've become distracted from what they were originally doing and then thirdly they have this they they are unable to recognize who Jesus is so to them it's like well John's baptizing and Jesus is baptizing and now people are going to this new guy and they're not coming to us but they are not able to recognize kind of the glory and the power the specialness of Jesus being there And that is what John will try to teach them in these following verses. So let's continue. Um, So in verses 27 through 29, it says, John answered, it's not possible for a person to succeed. I'm talking about eternal success without heaven's help. And I think that's such a profound statement because what he's saying is that things that last are built by God. So if, if he's basically saying if Jesus is of God, if Jesus is doing these things, if Jesus is doing miracles, if, if, if he is built by God, what he's doing will last. And if you see something lasting and bearing good fruit, like it's of God. But then I think at the same time, he's saying things that aren't built by God eventually will be shown to be empty is it lasting? Is there good fruit? Then be happy. Then don't feel competitive. Don't, don't feel like they shouldn't be doing that. It's like, okay, if this is of God, it will last. And if it's not of God, it won't last. So I don't need to worry about what someone else is doing. That's basically the premise of what John is saying. Um, and if we're not sure that something's good, you know, Just wait and see, because eventually, if it's not of God, you will know. And I think that's true. I think things that stand the test of time, things that are built by God, um, you will see the fruit of that. And if it's not built by God, we don't need to be worried. It's like God will take care of it. it. It will fall on its own. We don't need to worry. So that's the first thing John is teaching them. Listen, Jesus couldn't be doing these things if he didn't have God's help. So... And so now you're putting us in competition with someone else who's working for God, not for someone else who's looking to be popular, right? So John takes it kind of to a different plane. He then goes on and says, You yourselves were there when I made it public that I was not the Messiah, but simply the one sent ahead of him to get things ready. So John is reminding them, You heard me say in front of the crowd of people who had come to be baptized. That I was not the Messiah, and that this guy is. That I'm not Messiah. I'm the I'm thunder in the desert. That's how he refers to himself. I'm the one saying, "Prepare your heart to receive Jesus." I'm not the person you should be receiving. I'm the one who points you to the person who you should be receiving. He prepares the way, and and in in some way he's saying you know, you already know I'm not the main event. So let me remind you again. And I think that is so important that John never got things confused. He knew that even at the height of people coming out to him to get baptized, people listening to him, that he was never the main event. He then goes on and tells them a little parable, a little picture, a metaphor for what's happening here. And I absolutely love this picture. So let's listen in. He says, the one who gets the bride is by definition, the bridegroom and the bridegroom's friend, his best man, that's me in place at his side where he can hear every word and he is genuinely happy. How could he be jealous when he knows that the wedding is finished and the marriage is off to a good start? So John is breaking down for them what's actually happening. Now, mind you, this is happening spiritually. This is not what you can see with your physical eyes, but because John is in line with what God is doing spiritually, he's able to let go of what he sees with his physical eyes, like his disciples are seeing, and say, this is what's happening spiritually. Number one, there's the bride and the bride traditionally in scripture is God's people and later becomes the church. All the people who God has drawn to himself and they've said yes to him, that is the bride. Um, The idea being that Jesus will present the bride blameless and spotless to God at the end of time, this bride being the church the universal worldwide church, right? The people who believe in his name, that's the bride. Okay. Um, The bridegroom is the one who has pursued and committed to the bride and the bride ends up with him. So that's Jesus, right? That everything that Jesus has done and sacrificed is to bring the bride to this moment, right? So that they can be together, so that they can be one. And that's what Jesus talks about all the time in John. He's constantly saying, them and me and me and you, um, them and I as one, just like me and the father are one. I mean, it's just this like unity of like, I'm drawing you to myself. That's the bridegroom, okay, Jesus. And the bridegroom's friend here, John the Baptist, is the witness. It's not his joy. He's not the one who wins the bride, but rather his joy is the bridegroom's joy. And he's not the main event. He's there to support, help, listen, and share in the joy. Okay. And that's who John the Baptist is. So he's like, listen, I'm standing here. I'm listening to them say their vows. I am like woohooing, you know, at the final kiss. I don't know if that was part of ceremonies back then, but the point being that like, I'm the one standing here watching this happen with joy in my heart, seeing my best friend and this bride that he's been wooing be together. And that's the joy I get out of this moment. Don't. And and so for his disciples, he's like, don't get it twisted. I'm not the one standing there at center stage. So then he says this in verses 29 through 30, he says, that's why my cup is running over. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. John is so full of joy that Jesus has come and that the bride and bridegroom can finally be united, that his own prestige is the last thing on his mind. He says, Jesus is now moving into the center while I slip off into the sidelines. When I hear these verses, I can't help but come back to when I was in ballet. <laughs> I think of um, I have this picture of center stage, and you know, a soloist center stage, and it's like their shining moment, right? They're doing. Um, a big solo or a really hard uh, turn combination or something like that. And you may not know this if you were not in ballet, but what happens is there's this person who's center stage and then all of the rest of the company um, of the people there, they're all watching in the wings like this. They're all making sure their bodies are hidden, but that they can see the person dancing. And there is such celebration and attention on that person from the wings, from the people who are friends and watching and like, oh, she hit that turn or, oh, he did a triple instead of a double. I mean, it is just like there's a whole ecosystem happening backstage that's not on stage when someone is center. Now, um, the goal for every dancer, okay, I'm going to keep with the metaphor because it's so clear in my mind. You want to be that person on center stage. Like you want to be the person who is nailing the solo or hitting the turn combination. Like that is what you live for is to work hard day in, day out to be that person. And so as much as you might celebrate from the wings when someone else is doing it, the ultimate goal is to be center stage, is to become that person. Okay. That is the the purpose of all the years of training and everything else. And so for me... When John says this is the moment that he comes front and center and I move off to the sidelines is is interesting. It's where the rubber meets the road because what John is saying is that that kind of all eyes on you moment for him, for John, is forever past, is over. There will never be another time in eternity from now until forever, where he is at center stage. From here on out, it is all Jesus. His role was to prepare the way for the main event. And now the main event is here. So this position for him, and really for all of us, once we've made Jesus king and said, I believe in you, you're Lord of my life, This position of going off onto the side and having Jesus center stage, that position becomes permanent and eternal. There will never be another time where it is appropriate for us to come center stage and for Jesus to be auxiliary. He's always meant now from here on out to be center stage in our lives. And so... The wrestling with, once I've surrendered to Jesus, there will never come again a time where I'm the main event that everyone comes to see. Taking on that attitude of John the Baptist, that is really hard to wrestle with because our world, the Darwinian viewpoint of our world is that there should be some kind of success, or um, achievement or bestness where the best and brightest becomes center stage in our world. And what John is saying is when things are working properly, he comes center. He becomes best and brightest and people don't notice me so much anymore. So when that happens, When Jesus comes into my life and I submit to him, I back up. I humbly take my place as the bridegroom's friend, as the buddy in the wings, cheering on, supporting, celebrating, preparing a way for, helping to prepare, whatever else. But now Jesus is center stage and us celebrating what he's doing is the main event us celebrating him that he is here that is the main event and we partner with him we support we celebrate him being center stage this is a really hard pill for me to swallow like i'll I'll say it again and i can't i won't stop saying it it's a hard pill for me to swallow because i want to be center stage i just want to be center stage for jesus do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's not, it's not that I don't want him present. I just still want to be successful. But with him as my, I don't know, stage manager? <laughs> like, describe it however you will. Whatever metaphor works for you, okay? <laughs> but if I say what John has said, that he comes center stage and I can go off into the sidelines... I often will say that because I know I should, but not because I'm overcome with joy at the thought of Jesus being center stage and me, you know, being the bridegroom's friend. I really want to understand how much higher and greater Jesus is, how in our lives and in our city, in our neighborhoods, how he is meant to take center stage, how I can celebrate, support, prepare the way for that and not be the main event myself. So this is my prayer today is, Lord, would you give me revelation? Would you open my eyes And open my heart to the joy of celebrating you. That you're here with us and you're ready to receive your bride. That my position as you increase and I decrease would become such great joy to me. Would you show us your humble way? And would you guide us to follow your example of meekness and surrender? Because Jesus... When he asks us to surrender, he is not asking us to do anything he has not first done. So here are the prayer points for us today, that if you were with us this morning at our house for worship and prayer, we prayed through. Here are the prayer points. Pray that Jesus would show us who he is afresh and that our cup would run over with joy. Because that is what propelled John to be obedient, to have his mind right around who Jesus was. It was that joy, that revelation. Two, pray that the Holy Spirit would enable us to humble ourselves and take our place with Jesus at center stage. Because I don't believe from willing it to happen, we can humble ourselves We literally have to ask God to help us and say, would you humble me? Holy Spirit, would you empower me to be humble and see things as they really are? And then three, pray that the bride and the bridegroom would be united. So we're praying that all who are ready would come to know Christ. Because that is where our joy and his joy is made complete. So today, as you're reading in John, as you've heard this message, I'm sure there are parts of it that kind of came up for you or made more sense to you. Dig into your Bible, read that passage over in a couple different translations and see what the Lord would show you. But more than that, can you take a few moments now to sit in quietness, in stillness and pray these three things? in unity, and focus for where God is taking us, All right, You are loved. Next week, we will see you in person at Neighborhood Church at 5 p.m. Um, on Sunday, <laughs> and um, this next week, we're going to be reading John 8 through 15, <laughs> so read with us, uh, follow along with us. We will see you soon, and we love you. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Paul, one of the producers of the Land of Hope podcast. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org giving. Thanks.